0: and I am Danika and we're biracial unicorns yes where there's thoughts feelings and magic <laughs> how's it going Mika um it's all right it's not, not too bad I have this week and I'm like yep I've had a week I've made it to Saturday and I feel like I have nothing to show for it mm-hmm. do you have those weeks where you're just like I did stuff I did lots of stuff and I have nothing to show for it. So there's that. How was your week?
1: <laughs> My week was okay. <laughs> I don't know if it was quite on that level, but I certainly don't know where the week went. Mm-hmm. There was just a lot. There was not a lot going on, but somehow it still went very quickly.
0: I just don't even know. I guess that's why we used to like pick on elderly folks eating dinner at 4 p.m. And now I know why. Like, time, in their mind, it's already 9 p.m. Time is just Going way, way too fast, and I can't keep up. I feel like I'm always kind of chasing after a bus that I'm never going to catch.
1: Yeah, I spend a lot of time planning my time, which seems kind of <laughs> counterintuitive. That's like, the most, no, it's no, like no, awesome girl, you, you should see, <laughs> you should see my calendar. It's ridiculous. It's like at. Four fifty-two. I will be doing this.
0: No, that that is sad and amazing. Like I really do feel like I already want to make a very dark comedy one-act show about this right here. That's like juicy. <laughs> I
1: love it. Yeah, maybe this is an upcoming Instagram post or something. I could take a picture of my my planner. My it's pretty, pretty complicated.
0: I kind of, I'm already foreseeing color coordination. I'm seeing sticky notes. Yes. Yes. Yep. That's why there's stores dedicated to planners and journals. Like they're giving us the illusion that we actually have any control over how fast time is going.
1: No, absolutely. And I think I've mentioned this to, to some friends before. Sometimes when I'm really stressed out. I'll just look at my planner or my to-do list because the color coding just like soothes, soothes me. <laughs>
0: like it <laughs> makes me feel like I'm in control even when I'm not. Buy in to the illusion. Like I buy, buy into it all. That's how I feel about scrapbooks too. It's a cult mm. and I will not go into it. But everyone's hardcore. Like mad respect yeah. if you can scrapbook.
1: Beautiful scrapbooks. Mm. I love them. They're so nice. Mm. But
0: that is not that is not my life. It it really isn't. I'm literally not about that life. (laughs) I can't the time, the money, the patience, the effort. And it's just all trying to preserve memories and and put them all together and experiences. And if you do that, like maybe one day I will be on your level. But that is just a control thing that I, I can't orchestrate in a way that's beautiful. It'll just look like a hot mess.
1: I feel like I have an Instagram. That's where I can scroll back and look at my memories.
0: I didn't want
1: (laughs) to say it, but... Is Instagram the modern-day scrapbook? I mean, you know I what? guess we don't decorate it. Maybe
0: Snapchat is the modern day. No, because it disappears. Yeah, yeah. And shut your mouth! Don't you dare mention Snapchat. This is a wholesome, decent, educational program. <laughs> What's your problem with Snapchat? <laughs> you already, you already know my problem with Snapchat. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, this is going to be the oldest, one of the oldest things I've ever said. It's just like young girls who think they look cuter as animals than as people. I don't know how I feel about it. The only reason why I downloaded it was so that – because my little girl, who's four and a half, enjoys it. That should tell the world what I think about it, about how I feel about Snapchat. Maybe – you know what it is? It's, it's actually my insecurity because I can't figure it out. There. There. I've been exposed. I can't figure it out. There. I've said it. But
1: what if, what if I do look cuter as an animal? Actually you
0: could probably totally <laughs> rock some ears and get some like some really super fine whiskers. Like I, I would buy it. I would totally buy it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Social media, man. It's too much. I pine for a time where I wasn't on my phone all day.
0: I don't we we've already we're like we've reached that pass. The that part of no return. We just really, I don't know, it's become like nanny, best friend, navigator, chef. we have just way too codependent on it. And I want to be cool and say that I don't use it a whole lot, but you best believe we're going to be scrolling on our phones in our nursing homes and I've already succumbed to like the idea of it all and I'm, I'm okay with it. I am a robot. But what
1: I do appreciate is I feel like there are times in my life where I put my phone down and don't look at it. Mm. for what feels like a significant amount of time, but it's really only like an hour.
0: (laughs) But you feel triumphant. You thought you evolved. (laughs) I feel good about
1: that. I feel like when we're recording, I don't look at my phone. Last night, I met up with a friend from grad school, and we hung out for a couple hours, and I didn't look at my phone once. And Mm. it was... It was amazing. Like just that being present in in a moment and not looking at my phone is so nice, which is why I get irritated sometimes when I'm with friends and they feel the need to constantly look something up on Google or whatever. Like not in a I'm not paying attention to you sort of way, but it's just we're so it's become such an extension of ourselves. People do it without thinking about it. And it mm. it bothers me
0: girl this is already this is a juicy little episode that we need to like kind of like shelter this and put it away somewhere cuz i already i already feel that this is very it's plump it's plump with possibilities
1: it's true yeah mm. Well, should we get to a question? Yeah, let's dive into what we're talking about, which is surprisingly not technology in its place in our lives.
0: That was not a segue. That wasn't a lead. People were like, oh, they're going to talk about technology and race. No, not even a little bit. We've already, li- we've already <laughs> disappointed you. And that's why let's we're Let's put here. that on the back burner. Maybe we should yes. talk about that. And that's what I'm saying. It's plump. <laughs> did, you, did you want to read the question or should i read the question you read it all right this is also from somebody that i knew who gave me questions early on really cool superfly gal i hope you're listening to it and thank you so much for your honesty i have been wondering about how do non-pocs people of color respectfully and mindfully consume media that is made for persons of color. Been thinking especially about the stuff like Get Out and Kendrick. Oh, Get Out, the movie. Okay, sorry. Ken, uh, Get Out and Kendrick winning a Pulitzer. So, yeah, any thoughts would be cool. Yeah, Get Out was a really crazy movie. And then Kendrick Lamar did win a Pulitzer for his album, Damn. So
1: Yeah, I'm sorry. I know I did this last <laughs> last time, too. But can I just say how much I loved Get Out? for a
0: second.
1: Here. <laughs> I loved that movie on so many levels. Like it resonated with me. I'm a huge horror movie fan, so just like all the homage to the genre within it like just warmed warmed
0: my my cold cold heart. <laughs> Well, here they say it warmed your cockles. That's what they say. Oh, did that warm your cockles? Oh, yes. I've heard that. Yeah.
1: No, it's a brilliant movie. And I don't think you need to be black to love that movie. But I think it does resonate with people of color in a very different way than Mm -hmm. it does with white people.
0: Yeah, It was. I mean, I saw it on a plane. It was horror, but it didn't take itself too seriously. It felt like oh, that's my whole life. Like, my life is horror that I can't take Mm. too much, too too seriously. Yeah, it was (laughs) very scary. (laughs) It was scary. It scared me in a way that horror
1: movies don't usually scare me, but it wasn't. It wasn't. It was in a different sort of way. And it was also like, oh, yeah, this is like my worst fear that this is actually what's going to
0: happen to me. I'm telling you, don't watch this on a plane that (laughs) is full with (laughs) white people. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> girl, girl I, I never felt so i don't feel vulnerable very much i had never felt more vulnerable and of course yeah, this is as this beautiful blonde blue-eyed stewardess is coming to give me drinks and i'm like I, i'm taking nothing from your card. i'm taking nothing from anybody you know it was it was one of those things of yeah this was a really bad setting to watch this particular movie but i i do i appreciate this question so so much uh kendrick lamar for those who don't know, is a rapper. He's come out, uh, he's had a couple of mixtapes, but he's had three main albums. And his last one, Damn, has been really provoking, especially from art. he's the first rapper to actually win this prize. Up till now, it's been just like classical and jazz artists. <laughs> the thing about this, so when his album to Pimp a Butterfly came out, girl, all the statuses, everyone's Facebook status did the whole cryptic, i'm obviously quoting something from an artist do you know which one it is do you know what i'm saying like when right. when a band comes out with oh i mean for it's like kind
1: months. of teenage right
0: <laughs> do <you laughs> that? I, don't, I don't know i think once in a while but it came just like everyone was trying to be like the hint of i'm so cool and woke and hip that i'm gonna just go ahead and quote the most obscure line of this song Hmm. Um, but but the thing is with that, I am really, really glad and it has this recognition. It's probably going to be used scholarly for time to come. Do you know what I mean? It is no, really I mean, like, a just,
1: just musically, I don't think anyone would argue with you if you would say he's a brilliant poet, right? His wordsmithship, is that a word? <laughs> Is, now. is is, is <laughs> just amazing and and he's a great musician i i think he's great i think everyone thinks he's great
0: <laughs> <laughs> i think he's important because even if you're not like a huge hardcore massive fan and there's like a couple of bands in this world that i think are you know like important i'm not a fan of but they're incredibly important like metallica i'm not a fan of metallica but they're very important for a certain like genre and and mm. music and like Same thing, like Red Hot Chili Peppers can't stand them. I understand the importance of them in music. And, you know, it's just really cool to see that that evolution of importance in music. But with this particular question, respectfully and mindfully consume media, that is such a loaded question. And one I know Danny and I have both been kind of like, oh, man, this is where have we gotten this right in our life? Where have we gotten this wrong in our life? And I think for this specific one, the specific question is really going back to appreciating not just the art, but the artist. I think you're just going to sit there and be a consumer. I'm not cool with that.
1: Yeah, more so than just appreciating the artist, though, I think Mm -hmm. it's understanding the context, not just the artists themselves, but the entire context from which this art came, right? So it's the artist. Oh, completely. It's the artist culture. It's like the climate in which this art was made. So I think that that's, that's part of what makes Kendrick Lamar so powerful. He's very much based in our generation, right? And Mm -hmm. he's dealing with a lot of issues that are important within our generation. So it's understanding that context, as well, as well as the cultural
0: context, I think. Exactly. I mean, this is a man who came from, you know, the the blood side of Compton. And he's bringing that to people who might not have only heard about that in, in movies or heard on the news, and bringing it to the forefront of people who otherwise would have no idea what's going on, a Compton that is incredibly diverse. I mean, over half is going to be either Black or Latino based, with over a quarter of that going to be in the impoverished area of, of earning, sometimes in, in some areas, much higher percentage of violent crime, and we hear it and we can see it on senses and we can see it on charts and we can look at all these things, but living that day to day and hearing them in interviews talking about seeing, you know, dead bodies and, and losing numerous people within seasons during to violence. You know, once again, we can kind of hear it and start becoming quite um, callous to it. And of course, it's not like rappers haven't done this before. You know, especially um, West Coast style. West Coast, best coast. <laughs> it, it's not. It's not anything new or revolutionary. It's beginning to hit that chord and layer of honesty and kind of understanding, like who he is. And unfortunately, I don't. I don't know how to say it in a way that's not discouraging. You can do all of this. Like this particular person, they could be very well-versed about Kendrick, about what's going on in in his area in Compton or, you know, or Bopton. You can be very, very wor- uh, versed and kind of um, understand everything about it. And people can still hear you playing the music and accuse you of appropriating their culture. You right. Know? You, it's almost like you almost have to be kind of self-satisfied that, that you are. But most importantly, not claiming this or any of this as your own and saying that you... Uh, only can understand it from a certain level and appreciate from a certain level and understanding. So, I think it, it, for this particular question, is it's I think it's a lot of self responsibility. I think I don't mm. know. What do you think, Danny? Like, because the thing is, you can have it all right. You can do everything right, but people might not know your own personal intentions. <laughs> it's you're gonna have to be okay with that. I think. Right. I mean, it's a very tricky
1: question, and. You know, one that <laughs> that we could talk in circles about. I can argue all the, all the sides of it, I'm sure. But I think to a certain extent, you're right. It comes down to just your personal responsibility, right? You um, need to understand the context and you need to understand that other people might not get that you have done your due diligence.
0: Yeah, that's the hard part, isn't
1: it? It is. It is. And you know, I'm I'm not black, but I like Kendrick what? Lamar. I'm not. It turns out it turns out this whole time. We're we're over. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. no, please. Please love me. <laughs> and my I'm medium back skin tone.
0: <laughs> I'm ba- I'm back in. But no, I know Um, yeah, he's he's incredibly incredibly important, but you have actually this week alone, you've already had like two incidences of of this kind of appropriation versus appreciation kind of thing.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think they're both kind of, we talked about this off air. Um, D'Amika doesn't follow me around in my life and know everything that happens. (laughs)
0: Um, I am a gorgeous tan Jiminy Cricket and I'm just going around. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I wish, I wish.
1: No, I think i'm i'm in a unique position right i'm mm. i'm an a theater artist and i my master's degree is specifically in asian theater so it's in a, <laughs> it's based in a culture that i am not a part of mm. so i have had these conversations a lot particularly from the appreciating art side or doing art side of of a culture so Yes, it came up twice in my week. The first time earlier this week was a friend of mine who teaches theater at the high school level sent me a question because she had a student who, for a theater history project, did kabuki- makeup mm. tutorial on YouTube, and she got a lot of pushback on the internet, people telling her that she was doing yellow face. So mm. my friend, who is her teacher, asked me for my perspective on it. So it's complicated. <laughs>
0: it's all complicated. <laughs> yeah. I, and that, yes, can you, and, and uh, just like, as we go further in, we don't have the answer. If you came, here looking for an answer. Once again, I had disappointed you. We just we're giving you context. We're giving you experiences, but I think for myself, this is especially when I was a young lass <laughs> where I, I have gotten this wrong and by getting it wrong, trying to learn and educate from experiences on how to do this, you know, right. Yeah, girl, say it, say it. Oh, so what, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> yeah.
1: oh, so my takeaway was that it was not yellow face but yeah. it could be problematic. So I think it's not yellowface in my mind because it's not a tutorial on how to look Japanese. <laughs> it's a tutorial mm-hmm. on how to do kabuki makeup. So I think that that's an important distinction, right? When you're replicating a certain form, it's not necessarily yellow face. But I think... There's a lot of due diligence that needs to happen in order to really understand what you're presenting and the internet is a wonderful and terrible place tying it back Girl. to that technology. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <It's> so easy. <laughs>
1: So easy, but it's a wonderful and terrible place. And really, YouTube is, I don't know if you've seen this. I don't watch makeup tutorials, but somehow I'm still aware of this. There are a lot of ethnic makeup tutorials.
0: Girl, girl.
1: It's really, really disgusting. I don't want a white girl to tell me how to look native american like
0: Girl, with my makeup oh, for thanksgiving this oh and it's the worst time of year there was oh dang it, i should have remembered her name there's a beautiful makeup artist who is native and she did one she just went ham she just went she put like a bird's nest in her hair she did because yes, she, she yes have yes. you seen it it's so Girl, good i loved it we have to find it and like link it somewhere on one of our yeah. sites because it's show, no, she's like, oh, is this what you want? Is this what you need? And it seems ridiculous. But for her, who's probably suffered in her own art form, in her own profession of, of people saying, oh, this is what indigenous people look like and the the fashion. No, I mean, and, and, and this is like every single culture probably has some kind of variance of experiences of what people do with, with, with makeup and art for them. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think... It's a slippery slope from appreciating art to performing or presenting that art to appropriating cultural dress to appropriating cultural practices. All of that gets a very slippery slope. And I think it's easier is just a consumer to draw that line of, I'm appreciating this. I am not claiming this as my culture, but I really enjoy it. And it speaks to me on a personal level because it's art. And that's what art is meant to do. And it has. It has transcended these differences that we have and is able to impact me in a deep and personal way. That's an easy line to draw. But I think once you're starting to dress a certain way or do your makeup in a certain way or do certain things as part of a, a practice, that's where we get into this really tricky appropriation, appreciation line that we have to, we have to find where that line is. So I think the easiest way to talk about it at least to start, is when somebody from a dominant or a privileged culture is appropriating something from a marginalized culture, right? That's an easy, easy thing to see.
0: It's like one layer or one degree or one one example, because it it is um, because there's several different ones. And like I said, it's a very fully loaded Concept. So I think, like for those, because there are actually people like the keep saying appropriation. What does that even mean? Can I not right. wear? Can I not have freckles? Or you know, uh, to d- define it, like, do you have examples for for yourself that are clear cut? Kind of, you know, examples specifically into this into yeah. like the dominant culture that you yeah. can kind of split yeah. Up here's with?
1: here's a couple. So I think the the traditional <laughs> the traditional example <laughs> mm-hmm. is is white people in the U.S. Uh, wearing, like, kind of a whitewashed version of a traditional Native American headdress as a sexy costume, right? That is clearly appropriation.
0: Who doesn't want to be a sexy Indian chief for Halloween? Come on, girl.
1: Yeah, or (laughs) the issue with this is it's something that is criticized and looked down on and... Otherized and then Mm -hmm. In the next breath Is like a white person doing it To look sexy or cute and that's Fine so an example That I talked about earlier off air Was dreadlocks right A black Mm -hmm. person has dreadlocks And it's Unprofessional right in a Business Mm -hmm. setting for some reason But then a white person has dreadlocks And it's like oh my god that person's so Cool and edgy right? Mm-hmm.
0: Exotic, even. Yeah,
1: exotic, even. Oh, gosh, don't get me started on the word exotic.
0: <laughs> I've been I called exotic that.
1: more times in my life. than I like, live
0: oh. for that word. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love it. So cause people actually call my daughter. She's, oh, she's an exotic one. I'm like, I don't because I think like, like a rare breed snake. When people say Ooh, exotic, like I just don't. I don't know. It's so strange because trying to actually even properly define appropriation in itself is not even easy. Just, just kind of from what I, I would say, cherry picking the most palpable uh, nodes of someone else's culture and taking it, you know, stealing it. It's right. it's like art plagiarism is what it really is, and it, and it's not. It's not you know, like I said, it's just kind of like oh, I you know, inspired by it. It's it's straight it's thievery. It's ignorant thievery. Even if you have the best intention, like I said, off air, we were talking about, um, we talk a lot, by the way, guys. (laughs) (laughs) We do. If only you knew. Um, If only you knew how much we, we do. I find the trickiest part of actually even addressing and trying to define appropriation and bringing it up to people is that I find personally is people who actually are desperately trying to understand and dip the toe into other people's backgrounds and cultures. And they actually they really do enjoy it and find it beautiful, you know, for, you know, Mm. someone who is white and says, actually, I do love the different kind of hair texture and styles and braids. I'm like, thank you. You're right. They are awesome. They are beautiful. Thanks for recognizing it. Oh, is your hair in beads OK, it's like before you can start the sentence and they go off and saying, oh, look, I've got, you know, uh, Kim Kardashian braids. I've got Katy Perry braids. And I'm like, or, you know, back in the 70s, I've got Bo Derek. Don't braids. I'm get like, no. me started
1: on Katy Perry, please. Like, <laughs> queen of appropriation. I'm trying to upset
0: you. But you, do you know what I mean? It's not. And, and that, I think that's the point when you try to bring it up. People like, oh, you know, we're, we're, we're angry, angry brown people. That really isn't the point. I think we would love for people who are in the spotlight. For me personally, I love when people have position and power and presence actually show that these styles are beautiful. But then don't give credit where credit is due. I was watching, gosh. Uh, a couple weeks ago, something from from Fashion Week just recently. And, you know, this gentleman talking about he's going to have this whole collection that is going to be Native American inspired. I'm like, yes, like I love home. I miss the colors and textures and stories and everything that brings to art. And, of course, it's just, like I said, it's feathers and wigwams and teepees and brassiers and thongs. And that it's like, did they even have a Native American on on site or can you name a tribe of any of this, <sighs> this is from oh do you know name a tribe i'll give you the money in my pocket <laughs> you know here i am excited to see someone who's going to take the vibrancy of what there is to offer here and this is, for me too i i you know we live in the southwest and i have art and pieces in my house that are from the southwest but i would never say oh this is my art or art from my background or You know, Mm, and I would never... Does that make... Yeah, yeah, it's like this is from something I did and made. (laughs)
1: Yeah, so I would say an easy way to think about appropriation is to think about it in context of what's appropriation or what's appreciation, because just even Mm -hmm. thinking about that word appreciation, you can't appreciate something if you know nothing about it, right? You can't really Mm -hmm. appreciate it. So I think the first thing is you need to understand... That in order to not be appropriating, you need to do a lot of research and understand the significance of things. So appropriation to me is when there's like something that's valuable or important or integral to a culture, or maybe it's like a symbol of the culture, and it's overly Mm. simplified, right? It's completely stripped of its meaning or significance. And then it's also related to systems of oppression right part of the issue with white women dressing up in headdresses is the terrible terrible history of native peoples being pulled from their lands and Stuck in schools where they were forced to, you know, dress like the oppressors and they were not allowed to wear these things. The fact that these things were forcibly removed from them and then hundreds of not even hundreds of years later, (laughs) because this happened pretty recently still, uh, but later white people putting those things back on and it's cool all of a sudden. Is yeah, so beautiful so problematic, right? It's so it's also it based in these history these histories of oppression and and all of that as well. Is it? I I don't know. It's oh, it
0: gets me so worked up, Tamika. <laughs> no, and that that's that's the thing. Like I think we've even talked about it, uh, you know, before. But Le- what's even more difficult is that we can sit here and I, and I, I can even like for people who are white, they're like, ooh they mad? Like, you can you can feel like the kind of, th- you know what I mean? Like I yeah. can definitely, I can hear like, you know, where we're sitting there and here, here I have been told like my hair and the way I dress and the way I, I do life is not professional nor deemed beautiful. And of course, like I said, we both have a theater background being told I need to straighten my hair if I wanted to get more roles. Mm. You know what I mean? That I, exactly because I'm too in between. I need to look one way or the other or even somebody with curves and just a certain way and then all Someone else does it, you know. A white girl perms her hair and gets rolls and gets recognition, and she's told that she looks beautiful and desirable. That that is that is heartbreaking. That is discouraging, and that's that that's what you're hearing. That's that that's the the frustration. Even art and music saying, "Oh, you know, why you listen to that hood stuff?" Do you know what I mean? When pl- people were you know blasting Snoop, however you feel about Snoop Dogg, you know, all of a sudden you're just like that that that's ghetto. That's not helping the cause. That's not helping people. And then all of a sudden, oh, I just went out and bought to pimp a butterfly and look how evolved and cool you are. that That's what people are hearing. So that we have that where we have like a general, you know, main dominant culture who then takes it. Now are we ready to stir some pot? Oh yeah. Here we are go. It. Are we ready? Right. Yeah. Other marginalized groups that appropriate other marginalized groups and cultures. Cause no one's innocent. No one's innocent. I'm sorry to tell everybody in layman's terms. It's not just white people.
1: Yeah. It's I mean, guys. and if. It- it becomes trickier because that, <laughs> that that layer that layer is so important i think that mm-hmm. the act of the dominant or privileged person adopting cultural elements from an oppressed or marginalized group in an insensitive way like that's easy to condemn but when it's a marginalized it person adopting cultural elements from another marginalized group it it becomes more tricky, girl.
0: Right? It's, we're getting into it now. It is. It's.
1: It's kind of <laughs> the same thing as can a a black person be racist against Latinos? Like it's that same sort of argument, which we aren't going to get into yeah. right now. Oh, dang it! <laughs> no, <laughs> hold on to that. I would still call it appropriation, but in the degrees of appropriation, it's less offensive to me, which is maybe it's unfair. An-
0: <laughs> but no, I and mean, I and I find it equally. It's equal. We all wrong.
1: Yeah,
0: I'm like nope, no. Nope. You you do you don't get you don't get away. Like we were talking about before, like with Nicki Minaj and and her obsession with any kind of it, Asian culture and right. in general, and Beyonce with and that and that's me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, sorry, and Nancy. and I think I think you you're know, valid it's for like, feeling
1: that way. Yeah. But for me, it's so hard to remove those like historical things from it that it I don't know it's like salt in the wound I guess when it's mm. I I'm gonna keep I keep saying white people but what I'm really saying is dominant privileged mm. group and I know some white people take issue with me calling white people privileged that's where I'm coming from that being said yeah no Nicki Minaj I love you like I really do yeah mm. but you're you're not you're not East Asian. <laughs> and maybe yeah. you need to know more about East Asia before you <laughs> throw it all
0: around like it's your thing. And, and and maybe she does. Can we see some of that, Nikki? Can we? Because, you know, she's going to listen to this little tiny itty-bitty show out of oh. New Mexico. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> absolutely. But this becomes like a, a conversation also that <laughs> is a little difficult for me as yeah. somebody who is has degrees in, in asian studies <laughs> and has like such a a deep connection oh god i sound so stupid
0: have a deep no, connection no, with no. japan I, i'm actually i'm so when we thought we we were going to bring this up i thought you were going to have such a plethora to talk about from your point of view because it's the us we've been like we've never done this we've never been accused of this yada 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 but i think just sharing your own experience with someone i mean you get accused from ever since I've known you of being Japanese. And then this actually happens to be something you actually have great passion for and time for. So like, will you just kind of share where you've either kind of struggled with or if, if, have you ever been accused of this at all? Here's the thing. <laughs>
1: Is I?
0: It's never easy. It's
1: never easy, (laughs) and I feel like I'm often given a pass because I look Japanese. Um, There was a a teacher of mine, a Japanese teacher of mine, who once told me that I could pull off wearing kimono yukata in a way that she cannot. Because I look Asian, which is I feel like a little problematic <laughs> to tell like your nineteen year old student. But <laughs> wait, was she not? She was not. She you? was white. And I mean she has
0: and the beat goes on. Yep. Yep. I mean, she still is white. I mean, that's amazing that but like but look at this, like a conversation for another day. Please continue. <laughs> yeah. So I think I get a
1: pass a lot of the time and it's a tricky thing because I have spent literally years of my life studying these things and I did live in Japan and I do speak Japanese and a lot of my my friends are like you're more Asian than I am Uh, which is another problematic (laughs) thing that we should talk about later but I think it comes down to once again understanding the context of things I do sometimes wear kimono but like I, I took classes on it and I had to wear them for, for performances, for dances and those sorts of things. So I think it's, it's a, different, a different thing. And then I have some other traditional Japanese clothing that was given to me by Japanese people. And I think once you've, you're in that, that situation of being invited by an individual of that mm-hmm. particular culture to participate or wear or whatever that's a different thing and that's not appropriation anymore because it's 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 that appreciation level maybe sometimes my my love for japanese things rides that line of is this appropriate or not i don't know like i celebrate japanese holidays <laughs> but it's also because i had celebrated them when i lived there and i you know and i enjoy them and it's a way for me to feel connected to that part of my life when i'm living somewhere mm. that's so removed from it so
0: yeah
1: i don't know it's what would you
0: do if anyone ever like a- accused you of it
1: i how do you think you would respond in that god it would be hard i don't know <laughs> i mean if i were a different person i would just cry and then they would apologize but i'm not that person Uh-oh.
0: I'm about to say you have to like
1: feel and,
0: <laughs> and right. care yeah. what they no. think
1: <laughs> yeah and i think that that's part of it too i would just be like bitch don't know me like
0: <laughs> <laughs> and see now that's the burke of you <laughs> then they would definitely know you were not japanese <laughs> right <laughs> it's
1: <laughs> it's also problematic because like this this conversation this appropriation conversation is a is a hot conversation, I think, in the U.S. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if it is there. Is it kind of in England? Do people talk about that?
0: I don't. This is, I'm sorry, all my England friends. I don't think anything's a hot conversation because everyone (laughs) is so, everyone, it's not even polite. I I wish it was manners because I have seen like some sharp conversations happen with no one's eyebrow even being raised. I don't think people make, a fuss, even if it is something that is – to see someone get over-emotional about a certain topic is almost to the, is almost uncomfortable now. I've been here for so long. But I
1: think that's um, just – that's yeah. also in the U.S. Like, people don't talk about meaningful things because they don't want people to be uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, they'd rather die than anyone be embarrassed or uncomfortable. But here, even in researching, is like festivals are really big. I, the thing is they only literally get two and a half weeks of legitimate good weather here. Um, like I said, this past summer was a freak of nature. But they have like the festival culture is what they would say. They have lots of festivals. They're outdoors. You know, things about nature. And so they actually, gosh, on the BBC had a whole thing about appropriating culture, especially from here, from you know, from East, what would say East India, but from from Indian culture, like you know, bendis and the color of vibrance, the the jewels, the the celebrations. The holidays, things of that nature that they have seen a lot of predominantly white Europeans kind of take and used to say, like, you can't dress that way. You can't get jobs dressed that way. You need to take that off, take off your, you know, your your bendy, need to wear your hair a certain way. And then decades later, you see it everywhere, you know, in festival time. And it does kind of have that little backhandedness to it. It's like, oh, thank you for finally seeing the beauty of it on you. But not on me, and so it, it. I do think it does exist here in, of course, like I said, different ways because of the exposure to other cultures mm-hmm. as well. Simply, I mean, America, we're, we're, they're just far away. You, you imitate what is in your in your surroundings.
1: Yeah, it's different too. I think because I know woefully little about British history, despite that being the shit that's taught in schools as part of our history <laughs> for some reason um <laughs> but like the british people are the people who were they're the i don't know indigenous sort of people to that area <laughs> i don't yeah. i don't know right like I it's different than like the u.s which is a colonized land <laughs> So I think the context I, I mean, is a I little mean,
0: different. It, I think it is. I think it's mostly just because you know, like with, with the British rule in the kingdom, they just they had their their hand and foot. And That's true. Kind of they're a little bit like everywhere. The colonizers of the world. Yeah, I wasn't. I was trying to say like, I mean, they're kind of like. The I'll OG say it, I don't colonizer. live there. <laughs> Like, and I've learned even just so much of just, like I said, even even more so because we only kind of get their relationship to us, to U.S. history. And just even being here longer, um, even the way that people say it, you know, we used to be so great. I mean, it was really great doing all those horrendous, awful things to other people. Cool. We have a definition. I mean, we're using the word great poorly in our country right now as well. Yeah. So, but no, and, and this is not saying anything malicious or saying that I'm even an expert in, in the culture. It's one of those things of, I think both places have a saying like oh, is it really a problem? it, it is. Yeah. <laughs> is it really a thing? I think yeah, even just asking what was it for um our last one about mixed marriages like you don't really you, you know you and your husband don't really see or experience any problem here, right? Like obviously you no know, I'm like oh yeah. Yeah, it's just <laughs> it's thing, just a different you know? a different beast, like a
1: different face. It it really is. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> oh yeah. Right. Uh but mm-hmm. I think the point I was trying to make is it's a co- point of conversation here, and at least is kind of being recognized there, even if people aren't talking about it. But it's in East Asia, it's different. in in Japan and China, my time spent there, and it's been a few years now since I've been back. But people get really excited, people from like the U.S. or other cultures wearing their clothes, wearing kimono, or they don't see it as appropriation. But I think because it's not within that same context. And that's not to say who the imperialism and, and all of that in those countries is a completely different Conversation. There are indigenous people in, and I was having this conversation with a friend last night. There's indigenous people in <laughs> Pan who are marginalized for sure that are not the Japanese people. So that yes like, put a pin in that if people want to talk <laughs> hear more about that later we can Ooh, talk about that yeah but it, it's just seen in a different way and it's not seen as appropriation and who am I to tell somebody how they should react to somebody else wearing their culture's clothing right like uh, it is not my
0: place oh, to, how would that even go
1: right like it is not so like if Japanese people aren't bothered by it That's great. But I think that there's still the right of Japanese American people to be bothered by it. Absolutely. It's been talked about a lot more this year, more than ever, in context to Halloween, right? Yeah. My culture is not your costume. That's... Ooh, that was
0: big! Even, even I heard about that all the way over across the pond and such.
1: But that doesn't change the fact that my buyo, my Japanese dance teacher, I remember in Hawaii, she, one year, we were talking, it was near Halloween, and she was like, oh, you should just wear yukata for Halloween. <laughs> I'm like, no! No, I'm not no. dressing as a Japanese person for
0: Halloween! That is not appropriate! And no, it isn't, and and, that, and that's what's really difficult. Like I said, that's why I don't think anyone is is necessarily innocent in this. And I know some people may actually feel like really stifled. I know some people with that, like my culture's not a costume, felt very, I guess, attacked and felt really restricted. I'm like, you could literally be a gajillion other things outside of someone else's culture and there's Do you, yeah you know, there's this just so funny
1: <laughs> and there's a line that feels pretty cut and dry to me but maybe it doesn't to other people uh like another friend of mine he was telling me there is this girl on you know one of the online dating sites and they uh-huh. had matched or whatever but then her she changed her profile picture to her halloween costume and he's like "Mm, not anymore she was (laughs) she was dressed as a taco with a fucking sombrero like dress as a taco Uh, fine like it's a food but once you start like putting a sombrero on it mm.
0: that is um i'm not gonna lie That's uh, that's pretty awful. Well, I feel like it was like once again, you took it to the next the next step because you you purposely want people to know the correlation and what you were trying to do. Does that make sense? Like the the intention? You've you've lost us now. You you, you have lost us. It's no longer fun. Even for like my daughter's first birthday. We are not Latino in our background. But we had a fiesta for my daughter's first birthday. We did not have, from what I, now I'm trying to remember, I don't think we had a sombrero anywhere in that. I think we had biscochitos and beautiful paper flowers and gorgeous colored blankets and tacos and all the beautiful food that we have, fiesta. (laughs) <laughs> I'm like I don't I don't even think we had a piñata cuz I didn't want a piñata. I'm like nope, that that crosses a line for us personally. But it was just even just well, one of those things of you don't need that. I didn't need someone in a sombrero and a mariachi band though I do love mariachi. A mariachi band showing up to be like, "Well now, now it's official. Now mm. it's authentic." Right. <laughs>
1: That kind of leads into the last part of this that I want to talk about, which is also kind of a two-pronged thing. Appropriation, is it a thing when you're, you're a person from, one, mixed ethnic background, so you have that within your blood, or two, person who grew up in that culture, even if you are not ethnically that culture
0: where is that appropriation line uh, and of course it's never easy is it no. all the feelings well this is something we for me i have really i struggled with like i said b- being mixed and actually growing up not feeling i could participate in things that would be i was afraid of being borderline appropriating a culture i, I know it sounds crazy cuz i didn't grow up predominantly in a heavily black influenced life Not until I was a bit older in my life and kind of, you know, we start getting older and being able to do your own thing and leave the nest and so forth and so on. But I never felt like maybe I can't wear my hair this way in a rap or in certain styles. Maybe I can't listen to certain kind of music and participate in certain groups. Like, I know this is going to sound weird. I felt really weird taking a part of uh, BSU in college. Like, no joke. I felt really strange at first because I didn't identify for a while. I wasn't really comfortable in myself as a mixed person and felt like, wow, if I did my hair, if I, if I listened to a certain music, if I participated in, in this march, am I stealing? It, I really did. I really struggled with that for a long, for many, many years. And it's really taken me into my life and my own maturity and just realizing, you know, I have done the work. I do understand. I am in this skin. I've had numerous experiences beyond my control that I would just been like, yes, this is part of my own personal experience as a woman who is half black and half white. It's actually something that actually kind of smooth me in, into my heart because I do take a culture of African-Americans as something really beautiful. And I call it as as a privilege to be a part of me and a part of my daughter. I was, I was actually telling you, Danny, like even my own daughter who is very fair skin. I was actually quite hesitant of like, do I braid her hair? This is something like I would think as a mother, as like I'm a mixed mom presenting as a black woman, you know, people just see me on the street. Yeah. She's either, I know here, either Brazilian or black. yeah. This is like my joy. I have my daughter. On a Sunday, getting ready for school and, you know, having her sit in between the legs and putting something on the TV and getting her hair ready. Like this is just, it's a beautiful tradition, but I was just quite full of fear of, what are people going to say to her? What are people going to say to me of why would I be doing her? Because I, I do like, you know, feed in braids with her and put little extra extensions and, and corn rolls and learning how because I didn't know how for a long time with her different texture of hair. But, yeah, just, just kind of. And I I can't even tell you where that feeling even came from, to be completely honest. But. I don't know. I don't think I have the answer for this, really. It's very difficult. It is. It's super
1: difficult. And I struggle with it a bit myself as well. I grew up a lot in the Latino, Chicano sort of culture because I was raised by my mom, who is of that culture. And I guess I am too. (laughs) But I the way that I present, the way that I look is the Native American jeans are strong, like very Choctaw.
0: Beautifully, beautifully strong.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I look like my dad's uncle. I look like exactly like my dad's uncle. <laughs> that uh, is so specific. It is. It is. It's so bizarre. I mean, I look a lot like my dad too, but since he's also mixed, he has blue eyes so he can present as white pretty easily. But I present in a very specific way with a culture that I am not really a part of and it is it's part of who I am for sure it's it's in my background but I didn't grow up in that culture I didn't I've never been to my ancestral lands or anything like that like I I don't understand it and is it something that I should understand and look into more Probably, Mm. definitely, in
0: all your spare time, yeah, in
1: all my spare time, and it's something that I wish I could identify more with, but Mm. I, I don't, and maybe I should be like trying to reach out and understand the cultural significance of various things, but never will I be running around in traditional Choctaw dress. That's not, I, I just does not feel appropriate in my life. So I don't know. It, it's a difficult thing, and then. Oftentimes, lots of other Native people will be like, oh, where are you from? Like, meaning, what tribe am I from? And so then that's always a tricky conversation to have, too. <laughs> yes, from a blood quorum's perspective, I am I yeah. am Choctaw. I have enough blood, and I um, can trace my lineage, and I, I can be an enrolled member of my tribe, but am I a member of that tribe? Is that appropriation by saying like, that's where I'm from?
0: Yeah. I don't even know. I don't know if people have insight, they should write us because I feel, I felt even out of my depth. Yeah. I think you should. I really do think maybe because I'm biased because we're both from New Mexico and we, and that's another thing too, like where we've grown up. I right. think we would both, we've had conversations before is like, yeah, we are this, we are this by blood and by background. I'm a New Mexican. Like, even though, I mean, I was born in nowhere, North Dakota, but like, I'm a New Mexican. And that's its whole other thing.
1: And that is that other part of that question. Growing up within a culture, how much of it can you claim or can you... You were talking about having biscochitos at your daughter's party. I see no problem with that. Mm. That's not an appropriation at all. It's our state cookie, Jameka.
0: <laughs> yes. And actually, now I must... I like I, The only reason why I even own Starianus is for biscochitos. <laughs> Seriously. Because I... Any other time I can't handle it. But say I own large amounts of Starianus specifically to make biscochitas.
1: <laughs> I think that that's tricky. And have you seen. I think I know the answer. I tried to talk about this movie with you before. Have you seen Blind Spotting?
0: You know what? <laughs> did, you, did you go to the theaters to go see it? Absolutely. <laughs> I watched the preview for it and I was such a mess from the preview. I might. I might have to wait till it's on DVD, send my husband and daughter away and watch it because I, though there's a certain type of movie that I, I avoid being watching with groups of people or in general, because I'm not a very sensitive person, but there are some movies that it just, it does something to my, my core, to my heart. And I think that's one of those movies I'm like, nope, I'm going to have to wait. It comes on DVD and lock myself away and and watch it and be in. Because the thing is, it's not even the crying. It's not the crying. It's the rage. Mm. Like, I don't want to see and I don't want anyone to see me in that rawness. It sounds super crazy dramatic. Yeah, Um, it's pretty dramatic. I would say hands down.
1: (laughs) And this is somebody who doesn't see many movies, even though it sounds like I see movies (laughs) on this podcast. I think it's the best movie of this year. I mean I didn't see a lot of mm-hmm. movies this year I saw Black Panther get out blind spotting crazy rich Asians I guess there's like
0: <laughs> there's like a <laughs> A pattern a emerging here yeah did you want to do like a quick little synopsis for people who don't know yeah i was just
1: gonna say about blind spotting the reason why i brought it up is it deals with race and friendship and gentrification and the police and all sorts of things but there is a character in the movie one of the two main characters the best friend of the main character who is a white guy but grew up in oakland and is seeing mm-hmm. all this gentrification happening and he hates it and he's part of that culture he grew up with that culture Mm -hmm. i mean this is kind of spoilers sorry but there's a there's a scene where they go to a party a hipster party and he is mistaken for a hipster who is appropriating this culture but he's not it's funny because he has a very distinctive mm -hmm. tattoo on his neck Mm -hmm. an homage to oakland and then A hipster is like, oh, bro, I have that same tattoo. (laughs) It's just like, oh God, oh no, it's difficult. And like in my mind, yes, he's part of that culture, but it's, you know, there's conversations surrounding it later. That's I don't want to spoil too much, but it's a conversation. Girl, yes, you are from here, but I call you the N word, see, I can't even say it, but you, you will never say it. You can't say it. Why can't you say it? Why can't you say it? And it's like, because I can't, because I'm white. That's the reason I would never say that. And so, yeah, I think it's, it's an interesting conversation without a clear, clear answer, but Mm. I think we should try to wrap it up. And for me, now now that we, (laughs) my quick takeaway is Appropriation is rooted in oppression and domination and privilege. And it's when someone is not giving credit to Mm. a practice or to an art or to something. And more specifically when something that is looked down on becomes cool or edgy. Like that's what I would define appropriation as. I would say, Appreciation is understanding the significance of whatever it is that you're you're emulating, understanding your relationship with that thing. So your culture versus the culture that you're trying to not appropriate, and continually challenging your purposes, your intentions, your goals for why you're you're doing the thing that you're doing, why you're dressing that way, why you're doing this practice, why you're talking that way. Consider. Why you're doing those things and understand the reasoning behind it, and I think that understanding is key to making it appreciation rather than appropriation.
0: I think that's really really wise. I think we were, it's one of those things where it's intentional mm. consumption. Yes, it really is intentional consumption and display. And, and I think that's like if I can make try to make it as you know a little lump sum is just I am going to intentionally dive into this and intentionally going to enjoy this and also portray this and to tread in a way that is respectful because it ultimately in that you will get the ultimate amount of joy in this. Do you know what I'm saying? I yeah. really, really do. It's just, it's one of the, like, like, my husband listens to a lot of sermons and things like that and he really enjoys a pastor that comes from, like, the deepest heart of Philadelphia and it's for him to take something that he has said and done, and enjoy, and portrayed as something that he has done, dealing on race and culture. It's like no, no, no that 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 you're missing the the fullness of it. He he wouldn't do that. He would miss the whole point of it. And that's what we're encouraging is responsible, thoughtful, intentional consumption and display. Yes, I
1: think that intentional is important. And I would just say with any sort of appreciating something from another culture to always just proceed with caution, right?
0: Yeah. Cite, cite the source. Yes. Treat it like plagiarism.
1: Yeah, come on. Cite, cite your uh, sources.
0: Cite the source. There we go. Hashtag cite the source. So. Cool. Well, let's
1: talk about our happy place damika
0: yes yes i think it's after something like that like the last know, you, you can quite quite feel quite beat up after that but it's a safe place we're all still learning and we need we need that we need a happy we need a little happiness right now always we always need a little happiness so <laughs> what's your happy place so i had it down to two and i'm not going to get rid of either one And so I'm being extra greedy this week, and they're both ridiculous. I know, I know. You're not black, and I'm greedy, so we both have our flaws. (laughs) I love you so. So, I I love you so much. This mine. I know the first one is going to be ostrich jerky. (laughs) What? Um, (laughs) It is like beef jerky. It's like beef jerky. But made from ostrich. And I know, I know, I know. There's going to be some people who are going to be like, oh, no, no ostriches. But I did see y'all snacking on that 20 piece at Mystery Meat McDonald's. So I don't want to hear it. It is a really high quality, lean, sustainable meat. And it is delicious. Ostrich jerky. <laughs> and I'm not ashamed. I feel and like that was really, some sort of really
1: strange commercial for ostrich jerky.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if they want to sponsor us. I am for it. I will I will do it and I am not ashamed if you like it, because it's not cheap. Ostrich meat in general. Now I'm gonna sound like a freak. Who knows a lot about <laughs> Exotic animal. <laughs> I'm not even that big of a carnivore. And this is yep, I've set my I now how I now hear it, Danny. I now so I'm gonna move now. Maybe I shouldn't have said it. No, no. Own it. It's delicious. Own it. I stand by it. It's so delicious. Anyway, and it's high in proteins. There's that. And then the other one is I used to live in a Mexican house that had a fireplace. My house here does not. And I really miss it. So I do the next hipster weirdo thing. And Netflix has a fireplace on it. Have you seen it? It's Ian's favorite thing in the whole world. (laughs) Ian, my brother. I love the Netflix fireplace. I Seriously, I mean, I'm not it's like it gets to like below 71. I'm like, turn it on. Turn it on. <laughs> like we my daughter can actually upstairs Having a wee can hear me turn it on. She goes fireplace from downstairs. She and like we have a favorite one. It's birchwood. Like we prefer is it like that a, one. That a yeah, light colored wood. Yeah, it is. You can think about all the implications <laughs> of that later. Um, yes. It's. Um, I love it. I love it. But so here's the thing. So that that is part A of what I love. The second part is the reviews. Has you, has Ian read any reviews uh, I for feel it? like
1: we did years ago, but I can't even remember. I remember that girl, they were
0: hilarious, but I don't remember
1: specific. Girl,
0: pop you some popcorn, get you a drink, and read reviews about the Netflix fireplace. People are so petty and shady. I mean people say it doesn't pop enough. It pops too much. I don't like the background music. I don't think this is realistic. The 4D freaks me out. I'm like, you, y'all, you they literally set a fire, put a 4D camera in front of it, and recorded it till it died. I don't know what else. I love that people can find a way to complain about something. I don't know. This is a sick part of me. But, yes, ostrich jerky, Netflix uh, fireplace. If you've had a rough day, go put that on. You will feel instantly better, and it will do something to your brain. You will be warmer. I promise you. I promise you. All right. Now, now, I'm a freak who loves fire and ostrich. Top that. Top that, Okay. Danny.
1: My happy place this week is ghosts.
0: Ghosts. Yes, ghosts.
1: And now that Are, I'm saying ghosts, yes. I'm realizing how
0: difficult the word ghosts is to say. That, that's okay. I try to say Pulitzer. <laughs> so now we've had pulitzer ghosts there's just a lot of (laughs) s
1: in ghosts
0: yes um yeah yes all right girl all right
1: so i mentioned earlier i'm i'm big in the horror genre that's my favorite yeah so i just find it very relaxing sit down watch a show about ghosts like a scary show I also find it very relaxing to like turn off all the lights and take a hot bath and listen to ghost stories (laughs) on as a podcast. Yes, it's
0: like so relaxing to me. (laughs) I just love it. Is it the tone or the fact that you're just like, oh, I'm so glad ghosts are getting represented? (laughs) It's both, man. Like (laughs) representation matters. (laughs) Representation matters. I if I could love you anymore, like. I just i I can't. My heart is too full for you, Danny. That is amazing. I'm just so saying, like, you can have ghost yeah, stories by the Netflix. If you're fireplace. a vegetarian, or you know, you
1: don't have Netflix, yeah. another option is to take a hot bath in the dark and listen to ghost stories.
0: Awesome. I think we've really set people up to have a really good week. Yeah,
1: I think so too. So mm. representation matters.
0: I Mm -hmm. don't know where I'm going with this even supernaturally (laughs) (laughs) we're telling people to have a really good week and we're telling them if they have questions or comments to email us at biracialunicorns
1: at gmail.com Definitely like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, mm-hmm. facebook.com slash Instagram, we're at biracial unicorns. We're trying to put more content out there. So keep an eye out for that. Make sure you take a look at our yes. stories and all of that as well. Our artwork is by Dolly Pop Art. Our music is by Joseph Scott. You can follow those people. We'll include that in our show notes as well. And Uh I think that's about all we have. Oh, oh, I have one more thing, actually. Yes, if you are enjoying our podcast, one thank you for the feedback that you've given us directly. That's really great. Yes, it's uh, been lovely. But drop us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen because that'll kind of boost mm-hmm. us in the algorithms and and more people will see it. So, we would really appreciate your honest review, your honest glowing review.
0: Yeah, your honest review that's also sensitive to my soul. <laughs> yeah. So, Don't I mean, make D'Amika
1: cry, or I might have to punch you in the face. Yeah. Oh, I shouldn't. I shouldn't I want
0: threaten to- our listeners. Okay. <laughs> we just talked about. We just. You're still angry from the conversation before. <laughs> you need to go have. You need to go listen to some. Yeah, ghosts. I'm just gonna. You I'm gonna to just go
1: find a dark room and listen to some ghost stories. So peace out.